This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, it's G-Mac and Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast. The Blue Bomber's fresh off a 38-20 win in Toronto. Doug Brown here to break it down for us. We've got all sorts of things to get to. Andrew Harris, is there a better player in the CFL right now? Hmm, we'll talk about that. Toronto, should they even be bothering coming to Winnipeg for this Friday's game? And the late-breaking news happened this afternoon. Darius Bowman gets traded from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to the Montreal Alouettes. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for sharing. Most of all, thank you for the subscriptions. We appreciate your support on this podcast. It's the number one podcast here on 680 CJOB. So let's get right down to it. First and 10 at the Argo 21-yard line. Nichols fakes to Harris, drops back, and looks into the end zone. Darvin Adams all alone. Touchdown, Blue Bombers. It's first and goal at the one. Nichols under center from right hash. He'll hand it to Harris, and he walks in untouched. Bombers go without a huddle. Back to pass. They've got Harris. Touchdown, Blue Bombers. Very easy. And it's a wobbly kick on the run. It's fumbled by Fogg and recovered by the Argos, and they've got a touchdown. And what a disastrous way for the first half to come to an end for the Blue Bombers. Here's Nichols under center. Is he going to run the keeper? He does. And he's in for the touchdown. Nichols has Harris in the backfield, takes the handoff, sprints right. This is going to be a Toronto touchdown. Gabriel to the 20, the 15, the 10, and a touchdown for the Argos. Doug Brown, Adarius Bowman, did he have to go? <laughs> well, he got a third of the football season. He got six games to, uh, you know, everyone goes through funks in football. Everyone falls off. We are aren't all able to produce every single game that we play out there, but he had six games. He had a third of the football season and there was no singular game. There was no moment where you're like, okay, this guy is, is going to give this football team more. He looked like the guy that, you know, Edmonton got rid of for a reason, essentially, right? So uh, he uh, he fell off in terms of his productivity with the Edmonton Eskimos. And, uh, you know, obviously the hope was that he could come here, he could snap out of that, and he'd get a fresh start, and he'd be invigorated and, and inspired by his change of address. But, you know, uh, unfortunately... You gave him a third of the football season, and and these things just didn't materialize for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, um, you know, they uh, they wanted apparently from the deal they did, they just wanted to get rid of the salary, right? And and that's essentially what it was when you trade for an eighth round, uh, an eighth round pick only if he plays to a certain level with Montreal. I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. You're you're doing a salary dump, and and the that's just an afterthought. The the draft pick you might get from it. So what do the Blue Bombers do now? Do they go out? Do they look for another import receiver, someone who can be a playmaker? Uh, clearly, the Blue Bombers thought that Bowman was going to bring something to the table. Otherwise, they would not have signed him. They wouldn't have gone against the grain. They they clearly convinced him to the point where 
He moved his family to Winnipeg. You know, I hate when the Blue Bombers, as a fan, I hate when they give up on guys. Guys that are good guys. Uh, you know, yeah. I've spent time with Bowman one-on-one. I really like him as a as an individual. And I like the idea of what he could bring to the foray and to the game plan. But, but how much more time would you give him? How much more time do you give him? It's a third of the football season, right? You know, uh, well, you know what? Half of that time was spent without your number one quarterback. And so the question has to be, were they designing plays around him? Was he completely a uh, decoy? And if he was a decoy on a lot of plays, well, isn't he doing his job? Because you've got the number one offense in the Canadian Football League right now in terms of points scored. Yeah, I, I just think, I don't know, man. Even in the three games Nichols has been back, there have been wide open drops, right? And you just can't, no matter what, I, I totally hear you. I totally empathize with the whole, he's, he's turned over a new leaf, good guy, wanted to be here, took less money to come here. But, you know, pro football always comes down to production. That's all that matters in this game. It doesn't, you know, you can be the greatest guy, whatever, but if you're not producing, you're gone. And uh, we were up in the booth in, in Toronto watching the game, and he dropped that first ball that they threw to him wide open nobody on him first down move the chains and drops the ball and it was you know like i said you listen to the interviews too and you're just like you know this guy totally has reinvented himself and uh, how charitable he is and all the things he does to give back and totally has turned over a new leaf but at the same time you know it almost sounded like he was the happy to be here thing was happening but you know, sometimes you need that pressure. You need that stress on you. You need, you know, I'm not sure if he was, if he understood the direness of the situation and, and it's always about productivity. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what you've done in your career, how, you know, if Milt Stiegel had never produced, he probably would have gotten 12 games as opposed to six um, before anything was done. But eventually it always comes to a point where you have to just, uh, just cut bait. And that's, that's what went down. Well, even Kahari Jones got moved out of town for that very same reason. And we can go back in history. Lots of players that have maybe deserved a little bit longer leash and didn't get it. Adarius Bowman on his way to Montreal to play with Johnny Manziel. I still think he's got something. He just wasn't working for us and, business side gets involved and there's a whole variety of factors and then a trade sort of comes up and away we go you know my hope is that uh he gets to montreal and and can help them win some games i guess but he lost a step in your view no i don't know that it was speed you know i think there's a there's a whole like i said there's a whole bunch of factors that go into the decision to proceed this way Mm. the fact you have some talented younger receivers play into it yep it's all part of it it's all part of it we've got a a bunch of guys waiting that uh i think are 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 going to be good players obviously there's a number of guys waiting in the wings i think they have uh, opportunities with for me though uh when i go i go back to flanders i go back to the timothy flanders thing is that hybrid type running back slash you know slot guy um, spelling Andrew Harris, so on and so forth. I really like this offense. Not that I dislike it right now, but I really liked it when Timothy Flanders was a part of it. So for me, that's that's option 1A, right right out of the get-go, is, is get him back involved on this team. For me, he's too talented, right? Uh, makes Andrew better. It, it brings a different dynamic to your receiving core. 
I just really liked having it out there in that different dimension he brought. Well, Rashawn Simonized, does he get a chance now? I mean, if you need a decoy guy, a guy who's over six feet, uh, two inches tall, a guy that can run a little bit, if you just need someone to attract attention, does, he get, does he get be, a chance? You can't be a decoy guy or attract attention until you've built a reputation, until people have to worry about, you know, if anything until you demand that people cover you, they leave you alone kind of thing. So you're not a decoy guy until you've, you've uh, accomplished something and, and you bring it, but yeah, it's an opportunity for a number of guys. But for me, the, you know, option a would be, it would definitely be Timothy Flanders. Okay. Well, and I agree with you on that wholeheartedly, the way Timothy Flanders and Andrew Harris complimented one another last year, that two headed monster out of the backfield, not really knowing who was going to go where and be where on certain players. I think it just really kept defenses off balance and the blue bombers have done a great job of doing that so far, even with defenses keying on Andrew Harris. So let's talk about the fact, and you know what? I'm going to agree with you again on this. Ed Tate and I talk about this on just about every halftime show and have been for over a season. The fact that when we go into the half, even if Andrew Harris has had the ball, what seems to be like the normal amount, our point of view seems to be give him the ball more, feed him more. <laughs> and if he hasn't had the ball enough, the Blue Bombers really seem to be behind the eight ball somewhat. And we look at each other and go, well, what's the key to getting back in this game? Give the ball to 33. Is he that good, Doug Brown? Is he the key to all things successful on the Blue Bomber offense? I mean, it appears certainly appears so right now. A, a lot of the problems people had last week in the loss, it, it was it was very interesting. Um, you know, being up seven by seventeen points, and then BC coming back, and and the things that happened that upset people. And first and foremost, it was like, okay, Andrew Harris was averaging over ten yards a carry, but he had thirteen carries. So why didn't he get more carries? So this week he got twenty seven. So he got more than double the amount of carries. Okay. And uh, and then there were some short yardage issues, right? Where it's like, hang on, we're bringing Chris Traveler in. It's not third and inches. It's second and three or, or third and two or whatever. There were a couple scenarios where Traveler was in there. And they tried to do that that end wedge as opposed to the middle wedge. And, and uh, you know, they were relying too much on a quarterback to carry the ball. So what they do this week? Well, they handed it off to Andrew Harris. What does he do? He walks into the end zone. Okay, Walls straight in. Talk about a guy that understands what's going to unfold and, and the blocking scheme that's that's happening in front of him. Right. So you know he scores two touchdowns. He and of course you know they double his touches and then he sets a new record for himself in terms of uh, rushing yardage he's ever carried for in 100, a single one hundred seventy one yards. Game. Yeah, and you know twenty seven carries means he's getting opportunities every quarter and what else did they do this week that they didn't do well last week was they were consistent throughout all four quarters the offense was able to move the football so you just keep checking these things off. all these problems they had last week Andrew Harris pretty much solved them by himself with with more touchdowns, with involvement on short yardage, with productivity through all four. But, but quarters. hold on, so. hold on. The notes here say, and you and you give me some notes before we start this. Harris didn't get enough touches, even no. after all this. No, he no, didn't no, no, get no, enough no, no, touches. No, no. Didn't get enough. What does it say above that? Read above that. Short yardage. No. What does it say above that as well? What problems did we have last week? Last week. Okay. So those are the problems from last week. Andrew Harris is the answer. To, man, I got to be more 
I gotta spell it out for you. Well, a you know, bit more I, I didn't go to SFU, man. <laughs> I, I like let, let's you got to dumb it down. For yeah. GMAC. So I was saying the problems they had last week. Okay, they solved with thirty three. Almost everything. They just okay. Let's put more thirty three in here. We'll put more thirty three in here. More thirty three in here, and they solved the only problem that Andrew didn't solve was the fact now that when they had uh, third and short yardage scenarios. They actually took the points as well in Toronto, where it would add another score that Toronto would have to score in an additional time to catch up. They were cognizant of that this week as well. So that's what I wrote about for my column. It was just about, hey, everything everybody was mad about last week. Right. We were happy about this week because they they changed it all. They threw Andrew Harris at most of the problems they had last week. And they decided to go take the points when it was available to them, especially when you're already winning and you have a chance to make an additional score for your opponent's comeback. Now, I know Wally Buono was in charge in Calgary when uh, you made your way to Winnipeg. So, uh, you know, you can get personal if you want. If you don't want to, that's fine. But Wally Buono clearly made a mistake in suggesting that Andrew Harris's career was over. He clearly made a mistake in not paying you the kind of money that you wanted to be paid when you came back to Canada from the National Football League. I'm not trying to indict Wally Buono on anything, but how does a football guy like Wally Buono not realize that Andrew Harris has really seems to have so much left in the tank? If anything, is it possible he's getting better? Yeah, I mean, at 31, he's certainly uh, still achieving and is on pace for his best season ever. But the interesting thing about Wally and Andrew Harris is that it, it's not necessarily that Wally didn't think Andrew had anything left. Is Wally didn't want to pay Andrew what he was worth anymore. That was just it. Wally Buono, uh, you know, he's obviously he's using American running back right now, right? Jeremiah Johnson. And you can get an American running back for much cheaper than an sure. Andrew Harris at that position. Dozen. So it's really just his philosophy on where he wants to start his Canadians. He doesn't want to start one at running back and pay Andrew his worth. Um, Winnipeg Blue Bombers obviously did, and, and they're reaping the rewards for it. But, uh, you know, Wally not retaining Andrew isn't necessarily an indictment on, on whether his skills were waning or not. It was just the fact that he was getting too expensive, and his value was going up too much, and he didn't want to pay him. So, you know, Andrew went to, to a place where they wanted to pay him. Okay, so we've got all these back-to-back games in the CFL in the last few weeks here. Uh, the Bombers just coming off a of back-to-back with BC. They play Toronto again on Friday. We'll talk about that game. We'll set that up in just a few moments, but we mentioned off the top the fact that Darius Bowman has been traded to the Montreal Alouettes. Well, another player, an interesting, a bigger name than Darius Bowman, got traded to the Montreal Alouettes on on Saturday night, and that's Johnny Manziel. He's now a member of the Montreal Alouettes, and Cavis Reed really sold the farm in order to get <laughs> Johnny Manziel. Um, the Montreal Alouettes are in big, big trouble as an organization if this trade does not work out. I haven't seen him you know, besides the preseason games. You know, you gotta, he's got to get a body of work before you mm-hmm. can make any, I think, um, educated points about his play in sure. the CFL. Here's what I said. I said Montreal gave up an awful lot to get him, but if he turns out to be any good, it's worth it. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yes, I guess if he's in X number of years or whatever it is, you're thinking that, you know, talking about him as being an all-star type quarterback, then quite possibly, but... Uh, it's tough to project that. 
Well, what do they say? The best way to summarize that trade is just to say desperate times call for desperate measures, right? I've and heard that once or I, twice. I do disagree with you in the sense that Johnny Menzel trade being bigger than Darius because Johnny actually hasn't done anything in the CFL. Darius has an entire dossier and resume of accomplishment and achievement and award and great cup and so on and so forth. Johnny Menzel is a prospect, is essentially what you're trading for here. So that makes him, based on his preseason body of work they mortgage the future uh to get him under center but you know what they love guys that can sell tickets they have not shied away from bringing in you know i'm surprised Terrell owens is not meeting johnny manzel there as well uh darius bowman going in there we saw ocho cinco there we saw michael sam there we saw you can go on and on and on with with montreal and and i think that'll work out for them financially they're going to they're going to win now with, with him there. It's just a question of whether he's got the the pieces and the tools around him, and how will you know he translate to the Canadian Football League game as a quarterback? We don't know yet, right? So, obviously the the predictions, the the optimism is there for Johnny Menzel in terms of his skill set and what he brings to the table, what he's good at doing. You know, improv theater, extending plays, scrambling, running, throwing on the run. That kind of skill set comes with expectations for him. Uh, but like you say, the proof will be in the pudding in uh, Montreal. So, uh, Johnny Alouetta, there you go. Insert appropriate nursery rhyme here. Like what you're hearing? Subscribe to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, uh, the Blue Bomber defense, uh, they seem to be coming around at different times. They seem to be finding their groove in terms of getting at opposition quarterbacks. And I don't know if that's just because James Franklin was doing his best Statue of Liberty play uh, imitation. And I'm not talking about the actual play, but the actual Statue of Liberty. I did not watch the game on Saturday. I listened to you and Bob call the game and quite frankly it's just as good if not better than watching the game because I got a whole lot of stuff done but I watched the game afterwards and I was looking for what you had been mentioning with regards to the way Franklin was carrying himself when getting the ball from center and you described it perfectly so you nonchalant huh? very nonchalant well what's the deal I with have that? no I like at least be in, a, in an athletic position like the on ready, your toes the ready bouncing position, a little bit right? you know some guys Pounce too much, right? They're too amped up. This guy is catching snaps, standing there flat-footed, not moving around at all a little bit in the like Tom Brady you watch him he does all these drills from he's always moving around the pocket and so, it's like Franklin can't see downfield if he's moving because he is standing still and he is on the exact mark where he catches that shotgun snap he is not moving off of that unless he has to and he seems surprised when guys are like falling in his lap or whatever I mean you could literally close your eyes and pass rush against him you'd be like okay he was right there I know he was five yards to my left on a 14 degree angle here you could close your eyes and he would be there you know what I'm saying it's unbelievable it's like I've never seen the pinata. I've never seen the body language of a quarterback like that before he literally looked he throws the football like you would see a guy in warm up not even warm up with the team when they throw him back and forth to the guy that's catching the footballs for him and handing them to him and he's throwing to another quarterback kind of thing that's how he's actually those guys probably are stepping more into the throws so on and so forth i just never seen a guy look like that in the pocket i hope people pay more attention to it on friday when we well hopefully he changes what he's doing in the pocket but well actually for the bomber's sake 
do exactly what you're doing, Frank. Keep Franklin, doing what because, you're doing, uh, brother. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that before in the quarterbacking position. That was bizarre. So is this the start of a run for the Blue Bombers? I mean, it, I, I can remember sitting down here before we did our first podcast of the season, before the first regular season game, and I whispered to you, and I've whispered it to Bob, that I thought that the Blue Bombers might be able to score 40 points a game. Now, obviously, that was a little bit of hyperbole. They're they're averaging over 33 points a game right now. This is the best offense in the CFL, is it not? Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, th- that's what all the numbers are saying, and, and I mean, it'll be even better, uh, the three of the those games, as you brought up earlier, was with a quarterback who'd never even played in the CFL before. Right. Not that he did poorly. No. Nope. I mean, there's some um, amazing games that Stravler was a part of, but, uh, you know, those numbers and uh, those statistics should go up even more in the more time that Nichols gets. And, you know, the only tough thing about, about them going on a run right now is the number of Western opponents that they're going to be facing that are upcoming. And obviously, uh, it's one of those seasons again where you have to take advantage of your opportunities with Eastern teams, get those wins when you can, and then uh, you know your, your real battles will come uh, in-house when you go against the Western Division opponents. Okay, so Toronto, should they even waste their time coming here Friday <laughs> night or what? Is this a fait accompli? Because you know, you know, I know in hockey they talk a lot about the trap game, right? Because you, you'll play three or four games in a week and you get on a roll and you get one of your weaker, either divisional or maybe a team from the other conference that you don't see very often. Is there a chance? And I mean, I know there's always a chance, but how do the Bombers guard against Coming out flat against Toronto is the is the biggest obstacle, the fact that they're going on to their bye week here, because that sometimes can be a yeah. distraction, right, Doug? Yeah, I mean, if you listen to Bob Irving on the broadcast, he was like, I just, we were besides ourselves watching this game, and he was just like, I just cannot fathom how this Toronto Argonne team could come into Winnipeg and win just because they look so outmatched and so outclassed in all three phases of the game. Uh, you know, they're only scoring opportunities were on mishaps by the bomber. It's like unforced errors. The, that's how they scored their points, right? When 18 of the, bumble, the, the, well, the... I, I guess the strip of uh, Dembski was a forced error, but, right, but right. the fumbled, the fumbled uh, uh, return by Fogg that went in for seven points, you know, that was an unforced error. Uh, their offense did not score a touchdown. They had negative yards rushing from their best player on offense. It's just, you just watch that game and the Bomber offense, you know, moved the, the sticks and scored at will and completely Completely. I mean, Andrew Harris almost outgained the entire Toronto Argonaut offense. I think offense. it was six point six yards. Yeah, it, it was within <laughs> it was within like within ten yards of one player defeating an entire offense by himself. So you sit up there and you watch these mismatches of gigantic proportions, and you're just like, how does Toronto prepare? Like, are they kidding themselves coming to Winnipeg? But, I mean, the the catch-22 of this is that's what we thought when we saw BC get absolutely, you know, hammered by by Winnipeg, and, and then they ended up losing, right? So it's uh, it could be the bye week. It could be, you know, expectation that you have an inferior opponent. You can play down to their level. There's a whole bunch of trap game sub-scenarios uh, that you can get involved in it can make it difficult to come out and, and win a back-to-back. The Blue Bombers have played outstanding football. I'm going to go out on a limb and say 11 of the last 12 quarters. 
that's a sign of a good football team. They've had some moments, like at the end of the uh, second quarter against uh, Toronto, where all of a sudden Toronto scored 11 of their of their uh, 20 points. Uh, but these things do happen, right? Well, there were a couple time, quarters right? in the BC game as well, the third and the fourth that weren't spectacular. Well, they, yeah, I guess they were They were pretty good, I thought, in the third quarter against BC. When, up when you're until up 17-0 and you don't score again. Point, yeah, that's not good. Those are that's not good. Not, okay, not so good we're going to go 10 out of 12 okay. quarters. I guess the point is the Blue Bombers are starting to find their groove and we're going to really find out if they are a team capable of taking advantage of the opportunities in front of them because let's face it, the Blue Bombers really better be 4-3 and three after the game or on Friday or that's going to be one hell of a long bye week for every single player and every single coach and every member you know of the front office. They lose on Friday. Next week's podcast is going to be called The Twilight Zone. <laughs> Fair how, enough. How the Bombers went into another dimension and lost that game because that's really the only way it could go down. We spent a ton of time talking about him uh, right near the beginning of the podcast talking about Andrew Harris. Is he the best player in the Canadian Football League right now? Well, he's the most certainly the most outstanding and I think valuable to his football team. So uh, it's the wide range of things he can do very well. Um, it's blocking, it's catching, it's running, it's short yardage. It's you know, it's seeing his productivity. The more involved he gets, uh, everything about Paul Apolis's offense runs through him. He opens up everything. The passing game gets opened up because of him. I mean, he can run draws, he can run screens. Uh, he gives you a complete like there's no other back that it is as good across the board as he is and uh, he's at peak production levels right now on pace for some ridiculous rushing numbers and uh, number two Canadian of all time right now in terms of uh, totals for rushing yardage so it's outstanding. Well, we'll leave it there. We will uh, hope not to be bringing you the Twilight Zone edition of the Blue Bomber podcast next week. We appreciate you taking time to share, download, and please subscribe to the Blue Bomber podcast. Let everyone know that you're enjoying this uh, by giving us a rating, giving, giving us a review. We'd love to get your feedback on the Blue Bomber podcast. Doug, I'll send you off into the night. Thank you for your time, my friend. We'll see you in seven days. See you then. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.